Hello, and welcome to the Candy Sparrow Story Podcast. I'm your host, Sydney Grover, and today we're joined by an amazing special guest, Jasmine. Jasmine is a fantastic writer who has used her struggles to empower others, sharing her wisdom, and really just working with these individuals. Jasmine, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I love everything that you're doing, and it's a pleasure to be a part of something like this. And you were actually, I want to mention this, you were the first person to actually write your own story for Kenny's Fair Story, and I think that is powerful. Wow, that's really incredible. Uh, I actually wasn't aware that I was um, the first until recently, and when I saw that it's really validating and thank you so much. Absolutely. So I just wanted to sit down today and kind of go over your story and hear it from from your voice. I think that that's the most powerful thing. Um, would that be okay? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So um, as with most stories, I, I really like to start at the beginning. So where are you actually originally from? So I grew up in a small rural area, um, Lindenville, Vermont. Um, it's a really small town, dirt roads. Um, and I lived there until I was about 16. And then I started moving around a bunch. Wow. Yeah. And and what was your experience like growing up? I mean, did you enjoy school? Did you have a good family system? Um, so growing up was rough. Uh, my family lived in poverty from the beginning. Um, my father was an alcoholic. Um, I was bullied terribly in school, so I really didn't like school. Um, and a little bit later, remind me to go back to the bullying, because I think that that plays a big part in all of my story. Um, so growing up uh, was rough, and I feel like the odds were kind of against me from the very beginning. Yeah. That, I mean, I when I was reading your story, I was just so touched by your honesty and how you didn't let the struggles get you down. You mentioned that you lost both your parents at a young age. How do you feel that that impacted you? And uh, what advice do you have for individuals who may be in a similar situation? Um, yeah, so uh, just for those who haven't read my story yet, um, my mom died in 2009. She had ALS um, and I was taking care of her while she was sick. Um, I wasn't trained. I wasn't a nurse. I didn't have any special training, but I didn't want her to have to go to a nursing home. Um, and so that was really hard to watch and be a part of. Um, and then when my mom passed away, I moved in with my dad, who died from cancer in 2010. So it was about a year. Um, immediately after my dad died is when I became homeless. And uh, we can talk about that later. But um, I think at any age, when you realize that you're an orphan, um, it's it's a major thing. Because think about all of the things that you call your parents about and ask your parents for now. All of a sudden, that's gone. If I'm sick, I'm on my own. If I run out of money for food, I'm on my own. Just everything. Not only do you have to suddenly become an adult, but you have to become a responsible adult. Um, and so that's a challenge. On the plus side, um, I think that not having parents in a way made me really strong because I had to be my own caregiver. Um, I didn't have anybody else. And so I find that I have strengths in a lot of areas that my peers might not. Mm. Um, but it's not having your parents is definitely always a challenge. Even though my dad was abusive, when you're abused, you 
stop loving yourself. You don't stop loving your parents. Um, so uh, my advice is um, if anybody is in the situation where they're losing their parents, I guess my advice is just to not give up. Uh, there might be a lot of days where you want to give up, um, but my experiences tell me that if you just keep pushing through day to day, eventually things get better and better. And I think that's a really powerful message. I think that these struggles that are naturally human that we go through, we often let them beat us down. We often let them let, let them define our path. I think that it's really powerful that even, even through all your trials, you came out on top and you made it. And I think that's what makes your story so incredible. Uh, well, thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, so what was your plan after your parents? You said that you were living with your mom. Where did you go next? So I went from my mom to stay with my dad immediately. Um, and I was kind of taking care of my dad. The thing is, there was like a three-year gap where I couldn't work because I was taking care of my parents nonstop. Um, and that was my priority. I felt like I had to do it. Um, and I wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, so after my dad passed away, um, we were we had been staying with his girlfriend and they weren't married. And she was kind of like, oh, look, you got to go. So um, I immediately I didn't have a plan. Um, my sister kind of helped me out a little bit in the beginning, um, but she was pregnant. And, you know, she had a baby on the way and she had her own life and her own struggles. She couldn't really hold me up. Um I went into survival mode very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, I just didn't, I knew I had to have a job, but I was struggling, I was grieving. I was struggling with some underlying mental health issues. Um, I didn't really have much of a plan. I was just kind of thrown to the world uh, and had to figure it out step by step. Wow, and it's just, it's powerful. Because how old were you when all this was happening? So I was 24 uh, when my dad, died um yeah so not super young but I had already not been working for a few years um and so it felt young and fresh I know a lot of 24 year olds that can't even make toast so I, <laughs> I think that it's just so powerful that you were able to figure that out and I think that that is huge so you mentioned that you went you spent some time in Florida what drew you there yeah, so I was living in Vermont when I was with my dad, and um, I stayed behind for a couple months. I got little odd jobs. I was um, I was a substitute teaching. I was teaching in an after-school program, um, but I wasn't making enough money to get an apartment by myself. Um, and I had a friend in Florida who said, you can come down here and stay with me. Um, she knew that I didn't really have any family in Vermont. She knew that I had gone through all of those losses and she really wanted to help me out. So in my last month, um, I didn't pay my rent. Um, and I still feel bad about that. I sort of left everything to my roommate. Um, but I got on a plane and I went to Florida. Um, when I got there, my intention was to just stay there and, and get on my feet a little bit and get a job. And I was just going to start over somewhere new. Florida was warm. Vermont was cold. It was winter. I thought that that was my only good choice. Mm -hmm. um, when I got to Florida, it wasn't at all what I expected. Um, 
for example, Florida has a lot of cockroaches. Uh, <laughs> Vermont doesn't have that. And um, there were just other factors. The living environment wasn't um, great. And so, and it was a small town. There wasn't a lot of jobs. Also, I didn't have insurance or food stamps or even a license. I really had nothing. It was going to be really hard for me to find a job when I was new to the area and had nothing on me. Um, and so I made the decision to try to go to a homeless shelter at that point. Um, and that kind of started like my whole journey of healing. That is, I mean, it's intense because you know that that was, that was the final straw. Your fresh start was not what it was expected to be. And you didn't, you didn't know what to do. You kind of felt alone in this world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it was, I mean, when my parents died, there was that immediate feeling of feeling alone. And then when I went to Florida and left everything behind, all of a sudden there I was in this place I didn't know. I had no belongings. All I had was like a backpack full of clothes. I had no idea what I was going to do. And I can't say that I always had a positive outlook or attitude about it. Um, I started having a lot of suicidal ideation around that time mm -hmm. because I just didn't know I had no idea what to do um, and I had no idea where I was, but I don't know. There was always something in the back of my head that just said, you know, keep your head up, keep swimming. And so I did that. Yeah. You're like, you're going to get through this. And I think that it's amazing because people make the association a lot through with homelessness that everyone's struggling with mental health struggles. Everyone's on drugs. Everyone has an addiction. And I think that that really proves that how could you be in these circumstances and not have these struggles? And I think that, everyone has their own story and everyone has their own path and just really accepting that. And I, I love seeing how much you've grown. I mean, I'm staring at you today and it's just so powerful. Um, Thank you. So I'd love to continue about your story. So you were in the homeless shelter. What happened next? How did you get out of that? So um, the homeless shelter that I stayed in only allowed you to stay for 15 days at a time. And um, I, so again, I was new to the area. I had nothing on me. 15 days was not enough time for me to find a job and secure an apartment. Um, so after that initial 15 days, I, I had to sleep on the streets. And I remember being terrified. I actually didn't sleep for the following 15 days, um, really at all. I, I sometimes would like doze off on the beach or like in a bus, but I was trying to stay awake because I was always worried. Um, I, I was a young woman in a new place by myself with no way to defend herself. Um, so not only was I worrying about where my next meal and shower were going to come from, but I was worried about if I was safe or not at any given time. Um, I ended up meeting somebody who was also homeless, staying in shelter. Um, and we kind of formed sort of a relationship um, because we were around the same age and he was also from a Northern state. Um, and it, it felt like I could relate to him more than I could relate to anybody else that was there. Um, and so we stayed in abandoned houses together and we stayed in the woods together. We kind of just supported each other. Uh, we would take turns sleeping so that the other person could sleep safely. Mm -hmm. um, and so I stayed in that cycle of 15 days in the shelter, 15 days on the street, 15 days in the shelter for about two months. Um, 
and then you know it was rough I got approached uh by a lot of men specifically and I don't like to make it about gender this is just my experience Mm -hmm. um I got offered a lot of places to stay in exchange for things that I didn't want to do um and in exchange for my body um I got asked to do sex trafficking um and drugs um and it got to the point where I again, just not knowing what to do, I said to my friend, you know, we have to go to Vermont because I knew in Vermont, I knew what the services were. Mm-hmm. Um, it was starting to get warm again. It was turning into spring. Um, I just thought that it would be better in Vermont. So we did that. We saved enough money to pack up our stuff and we went to Vermont and that's kind of when like the healing part of all of it started. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that pulling yourself out of that and these advances, I mean, that's the reality of many women on the streets. And that's what people don't understand is it's painful. It's not just asking for money on the side of the street. It's an experience that no one else can understand in this way. Yeah, I think people are doing the best that they can to survive. And when you're in survival mode, you don't know. Personally, I never asked for money. I didn't fall into I didn't fall victim to drugs and alcohol so much but um some people did not everybody did though I think just it's really hard to find the will to survive and it's really hard to survive there was a time um in Florida where I didn't have shoes on my feet and it blows my mind now to think I was I was a homeless person without shoes um it's just such a basic thing that is so easy to take for granted Um, it's no surprise to me that people, you know, cope any way that they can. For me, it was getting into bad relationships. Um, people just want anything that they can have to feel any more secure than they do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that just finding that comfort, um, so going to Vermont, did you find success in Vermont or what was that experience like? So... Uh, when we got to Vermont, um, we realized that we didn't really want to be in a relationship and that we were just kind of leaning on each other for support. Um, we ended up going our separate ways and I came to Burlington, Vermont, which is where I am now. Um, and, um, I stayed in a shelter here in Burlington for about six months. Um, and it was great because it was stable. They didn't have that limit of days that you could stay, Um, And so six months was enough time for me to secure a full-time job and start working on like some of the trauma associated with both losing my parents and being homeless. Um, And so after I found that job, it was pretty successful, except there was a little hiccup. I entered another relationship um, because I was still feeling really alone and really other and by myself, even though I was working, even though I had an apartment, I still didn't feel like I had anybody like I still didn't have my parents I was still grieving um so I entered a relationship that ended up being extremely abusive Mm -hmm. um and then through that kind of ended up homeless again for a couple months um and then finally ended up being okay again yeah and when you secured a job did you is that the job you have now 
Um, no. So um, initially I was working in a hospital and I was working in the psychiatry ward and the emergency department. And uh, my title was mental health technician. Um, and the job was basically crisis intervention. It was talking to people who came in, um, whether it be abusive situations or suicidal ideations or any you know, number of mental health issues. And my job was just to sit there and talk with them and listen to them. Um, and I did it for two years and I loved it. It was such a fantastic way to give back. But um, it got to the point where the job was a little bit triggering for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I didn't know that I had complex post-traumatic stress disorder until after the job was triggering. I started making excuses to not go to work. Um, and I started realizing like something is going on with me. I don't, uh, it was a little bit compassion fatigue, I thought. Um, and then I started going to therapy um, and shortly after got diagnosed with complex PTSD. That is, and the thing is like, you were involved in these people's stories. You were the facilitator that really got them the help they needed when you were the one that was kind of needing that help. You needed someone <laughs> to, facil to facilitate for you. Um, yeah. Uh, I remember when I started the job, I kind of thought in the back of my head, like maybe I can diagnose myself and help myself through this. Um, and a lot of people said I was really great at what I was doing, but I think the main reason I was really great at it is because I knew exactly what people needed. Yeah, you had um, that understanding. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. So since then, you have rediscovered your love for writing. You've rediscovered your love for advocating for people who are in need. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I left my job at the hospital uh, because I realized that it was a little bit triggering for me and I needed to take a break. Um, and I started journaling and that was a suggestion from my therapist. Um, and I didn't do it with any intention um, at first. And one day I shared something on social media and I remember that it blew up and I got a lot of positive feedback. And that positive feedback isn't something that I was used to um, because like I said, I was bullied in school. I, my dad was abusive. I moved out of home at 16. I just never had a lot of positive reinforcement about anything. Um, and so it inspired me to want to write a little more and share a little more. And the more that I started doing, I was getting more and more attention in that way. Um, people started asking me to write for local newspapers. Um, I got asked to contribute to a couple different books. I started writing for a couple different websites. Um, and it was really great for me. And I remembered through all of that, that writing was actually one of my first dreams. I remember being in seventh grade um, and I had an English teacher who I loved. And I remember that English teacher was like the first person who ever really listened to me and understood me and validated me. Mm -hmm. But through all of the stuff that happened in my life and the abuse and um, you know the, the loss and the homelessness and everything, I kind of forgot that I had a really strong passion for that. And it wasn't until I started getting the positive feedback that I remembered that I really loved it. So I didn't have any like formal training or anything. It was just like this passion that I loved and it turned out I was pretty okay at it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. You are such a girl boss. I love that. Thank you so much. And I just saw, I just saw your Facebook post. You just collaborated on a book 
what was that book you just did? Oh, right. So um, this woman, Rebecca Midgle, she's a author and a puppeteer. She was writing a book about um, domestic violence and um, how to know if you're in an abusive relationship and how to get out of it. She is friends with a woman who I stayed in the homeless shelter with in Burlington, Sadie. Um, and Sadie actually is the one who reached out to me and said, you know, my friend Rebecca is writing this book. Do you want to contribute your story? And I said, yes. And so um, the book is called um, Intimate Partner Violence Escape Room. Um, so I wasn't getting paid for that book, but um, for me in, in the immediate moment, it was all about getting exposure and experience. And then Rebecca also um, put the book to World, World War Three Illustrated, which is like a comic book magazine out of New York City. Um, so there's two different places that that story is being told now. That is so amazing. I, Thank you. Uh, so what is your, what's the future for you? What's, what are you looking forward to? So as it turns out, um, writing is my superpower. Um, it's what I care about more than anything in the world. It's the easiest way for me to tell my story. It's the easiest way for me to help other people. I'm able to take all of the skills that I learned from working in the hospital and I'm able to take all of my skills from the street and put them together when I write. Um, so I recently wrote a book, um, but I'm not able to publish it yet because publishing a book is really expensive. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm much better than I was, but it's still not my perfect fairy tale ending yet. Um, so all I really want to do is write. I can't think of anything that I would rather do than help people and help heal people through my own experiences. Yeah. Have you thought about starting a GoFundMe to get your book published? I sort of. Um, so I thought about it and I left it up for about two days and then I took it down because I was like, nobody's going to help me and I didn't want to ask for help. It's really hard to ask for help. And, you know, you would think, somebody who has been through a lot of homelessness and struggling, I just still find that um, it's really hard to, to ask for help. Uh, so I haven't really, I don't have anything going right now. Um, I've kind of just been waiting for a miracle. Girl, your KISS fam is on it. We are posting it to the Facebook page. We're getting you a GoFundMe started because we have to get your work read. I am so proud of you. I Oh, I'm so touched by your story and I Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for being on with me today. Can you, um, I would love for you to talk about, just share your social medias so we can get people following you and really just get you that exposure that you deserve. Oh yeah. So you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at creative mind of Jasmine or hashtag CMOJ blog. And then I also have a very new website um, that I'm still working on and it's in its early stages, but all of my previous blogs and all of my publications can be found there. Um, and the website is Creative Mind of Jasmine. Um, and the link can be found by going to my Facebook page. Hi, Kiss fam. I hope you loved Jasmine's story just as much as I did. She is so unique and I really want to help her publish her very first book. You can help us out by 
donating using the GoFundMe link below. We've raised about $200 and we really need that push to get there. We will also be selling t-shirts that have a design especially drawn by Jasmine and all the proceeds will go towards publishing her book. Please help us accomplish this goal as this is her childhood dream and I would love for the Kiss fam to be a part of it. You guys are so amazing and we are so grateful for your constant support. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a great day.